Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back. And today, Julie and I are going to be talking about the buyer agent commission lawsuit. We're answering all of your questions. And this is from a lot of questions we've been getting on Instagram and people directly messaging us. And uh, we're going to be going through the different questions that we've been answering for all of you on this podcast. And then what we're going to be doing is sharing with you guys some oversight, some insight that we've developed from having researched this fairly intensely for the last two weeks. And I want to really put it out there that Julie and I are not legal experts. We're not in any way you know, qualified to even pontificate on some of, the, some of our forecasting of what's going to happen over the next two to three years. But we're going to do it anyway. But just understand that if you listen to us for legal advice, you're crazy. Don't we're just your, you don't know, do it. we don't do it. We're your real estate coaches. So the purpose of today's podcast, and this is going to hopefully be the last time we talk about this topic for a while. The purpose of today's podcast is to calm the nerves of the industry because a lot of you real estate agents, I have great news for you, really aren't going to be affected by this anytime soon, if ever. And so a lot of you are, I think, really allowing your, um, I don't know, fear to take over and you're not thinking clearly. So that's the intent of today's podcast to help help you think clearly and give you a very clear understanding of what to expect that will happen next. And, uh, you know, and we are going to throw out some, I think, warnings for some of the small and medium-sized brokers, some things you better be on the lookout for as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into all that today. Yeah. So what this drills down to doing, uh, helping you figure out exactly what you should be doing now as a result of the commission sharing lawsuits. And again, as Tim has said many times, as we've told you on this podcast, this is an ongoing fluid situation. Nothing is going to happen overnight. Let's talk about that. Yes, go ahead. All right. So right now there's a big appeal going on. The one that everyone was, you know, the suit that uh, NAR lost effectively and, and the few of the largest brokers. Uh, so that is going to be appealed. The appeal process takes two or three years on average. And and the, we actually went to a friend of ours that was one of the largest uh, plaintiff's attorneys. He was a class action lawsuit guy. He's retired now who used to work on, on behalf of plaintiffs who were uh, suing pharmaceutical companies. And so he knew a ton about this and just kind of fire hosed us with information. And I asked him specifically, like if, for example, a brokerage settles, like Remax settled for $50 million prior to the start of this, does this prevent them from getting sued for, essentially under the same exact lawsuits going forward? And uh, he said no. He's, and he said, what's going to happen over the next two or three years while this appeal goes on is you're going to see dozens and dozens and dozens of copycat lawsuits that are going to get filed. Now, where that becomes problematic is if you're a real estate brokerage of any size, you're going to actually have to have sort of a legal war fund set aside to defend all of these lawsuits. And so what will happen in two or three years when the appeal is hopefully one minor, which we believe it will be, then you're going to see an end to all the other copycat lawsuits. But what then will, uh, again, I'm again, not an attorney, but this is what I was told. There are 92 district courts in the United States. And what happens is each of these district courts essentially oversees or governs over like four to six different states. And again, if I get any of these facts wrong and some of you guys are legal experts, then please correct me. 
and we'll, I'll you know, correct us on the podcast, no problem. So then what happens is once, the NAR, once for example, NAR wins the appeal, and that, I think it's an appellate court or something, in that particular region, none of those other states, no one can file similar suits in any of the other states. So what's going to have to happen is this is going to have to, uh, the appeal and appeals of the future litigation will have to be victorious in enough of the other uh, I think districts is what um, our friend Appellate told court us. court systems in different states. Yeah. We're, again, if we're not legal experts, but all I'm trying to tell you is there is an end to it that will happen once NAR wins the appeal. And there is a process in place to basically make it so these just don't go on forever and drain the brokerages. But here's where I'm, and before Julie gets to her first point, here's where I'm legitimately concerned. I'm not concerned for agents boots on the ground because nothing really is going to effectively change for you guys. You're going to get paid the same. The commissions are going to work the same. Effectively, there's going to be no noticeable difference. Some of your local MLSs and your brokers might change policies and procedures, but you will learn, you will adapt. So I'm not really worried about you. Who I'm worried about and who I've been speaking to nonstop, if you feel, if you hear my voice is a little bit frayed, it's because I've been on the phone constantly, are all of uh, the medium and uh, even large brokerages are out there, small, medium, and large brokerages. All of you are panicked because you now know your errors and emissions insurance won't cover you on something like this. Um, so you're saying, Tim, will this actually affect me? And the answer is, unfortunately, we believe it will. Why? Because in the next two or three years, there's going to be more and more plaintiff's attorneys that are going to file more and more lawsuits. And eventually, they're going to start uh, essentially um, moving down market from the the publicly traded, most, uh, I think, well-heeled brokerages, at least the ones they that are publicly traded. And then what they're going to start doing is they're going to start going to the ones that aren't publicly traded, the ones that are privately held. Now, if you have assets, if you have buildings, if you have things like that, that they can find out from public searches, then you're probably going to make it to the top of the list. It's not so dissimilar to when, unfortunately, the foreclosure crisis started. Sorry for this parallel, but this is what it reminds me of. No, that's a good parallel, I think. Well, in California. Yeah. So in California, what we saw, Julie and I are paying attention to this in 2007 2008. If there was a long street with you know 100 houses and uh, like 25 of them were essentially on their way to uh, becoming foreclosures, the banks were foreclosing on the ones with the most equity first. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Yeah. And so that's essentially what the uh, we think is going to happen with this litigation as well. So if you are a small, medium-sized brokerage, please listen very carefully to today's podcast. And if you'd like to talk directly about what your next natural step uh, should be, I'm giving you permission, encouraging you even to text me directly, 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. Julie and I do have a pathway forward for you, uh, but frankly, we would prefer to speak with you directly on a private call um, because some of this stuff is going to require you answering some questions about your financial stability and you know things like that. But it is a confidential call only with you. That's what I'm saying. And these are important conversations that every single one of you should be having right now. All right, so Julie, let's get to your points. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about in the immediate term today, what should you, a salesperson, a broker, be actually doing between now and, as you said, the appeal could take years, right? So in the, in the now to the immediate term, point number one, commit to using a buyer presentation to 100% of your buyer prospects 100% of the time. In your presentation, you will discuss what the buying process is, what your buyer client can expect from you, what you expect from them, how agency works, and how you'll be paid. Don't have different rules for different situations. It doesn't matter what the lead source was, the price range, their personality type, or how long you've known them. Present every time. And that's an advantage to you is that, oddly enough, when you're presenting using, like, for example, in Premier Coaching, 
we have a formal buyer presentation. It's I don't even remember how many uh, pages it is. Do you remember? I think it's about twenty pages, and it's it's essentially turnkey, and it comes with scripts. Right. Well, this is part of Premier Coaching. So what's going to happen is you're going to get into the habit now, brokers, teams. Uh, remember, you got to get your agents doing this of going through this presentation. The presentation is explaining what a buyer agent does, not just from the legal aspect of agency, but also from you know, how they work with for sale by owners, uh, how they work with expires, notices of defaults, builders. builders, all this different things, how commissions work. The whole thing is laid out in the buyer agent presentation. And the end result of the buyer agent presentation is the buyer signing a state required agency form and an actual buyer agency contract. What we're trying to help all of you to clearly understand is you should have been doing this since forever, honestly. We've always coached all of our agents, all of our teams, all of our brokers to get their agents to use exclusive buyer agency contracts. It gives you, oddly enough, an unfair advantage in the eyes of the buyer, which does, I think, for a lot of you, confuse you. Why does it give you an unfair advantage? Because you are all of a sudden elevated because you are taking a professional approach, asking for that buyer to make a commitment. And I've got news for you guys. Not in every case, but in most cases, if the buyer's not willing to sign the agency form, the exclusive agency form, they're not really motivated. And that's not somebody you should have been spending your time with uh, in the first place. It's basically an extra level of pre-qualification. Exactly. Assuming you make the actual presentation. Now, if you have in the past perhaps tried to get a signature on these forms and you have been unsuccessful, it's probably because you didn't do the presentation in the first place or you did a poor job at maybe a free presentation you found somewhere. So here's another warning for all of you. And this is for, again, the brokers and teams out there. Um, a lot of you were buying leads or are buying leads from Zillow specifically, your Zillow Flex agents. Well, in some of your markets, it's entirely possible that the MLSs, in, you know, they're going to be very uh, proactive, right, rightfully or wrongfully, on changing the nature of how buyer agency commissions work. It's possible in your marketplace, effectively in the next 90 days, that the buyer agents are going to have to start asking the buyer to uh, pay for the buyer agent commission. Now, we don't think in most of the country that's going to happen. We think in most of the part of the country it's going to happen just as it always has been where the seller is going to uh, pay the buyer agent commission. But it's very likely, out of fear, frankly, and out of litigation mitigation, that you're going to see a lot of these MLSs and brokers that are going to start requiring that. In that case, when that happens, are your buyer agents going to be able to explain to the buyer why they're worth the 3%? We're going to talk about that in just a second. Are they going to be able to explain to them you know, how the various ways that the commissions could actually be paid um, other than from the seller? And I'm going to guess the answer is going to be no. That's the reason you take all this seriously and you need to do it urgently. Okay, so point number one, thank you for that. Uh, committing to the buyer presentation, and to your point, they should have been doing this all along, so now is the time to get very serious about it. Again, today we're doing talking points, how to handle all of this stuff. Point number two is always state in your conversations the fact that commissions are now and have always been negotiable. The fees or percentages are set by the broker and their client. The buyer may also be unrepresented if they choose to be. Review what your value proposition is and include past client testimonials. This is talking points. This is you polishing how you speak about this. In our pre-listing pack, in our listing presentation, and all the other things we taught our listing agent, our sellers, uh, I'm sorry, listing agents how to do, that we uh, have always coached you guys to use what we call the flexible fee commission structure, which by the way, the flexible fee commission structure and the fact that Julie and I have been um, advocating for all of you to use exclusive buyer agency contracts is because we knew, and this is all going all the way back to the late 90s, we knew there would be a day when it was, you know, frankly, when the commissions would be um, 
essentially payable by the buyers or payable by the sellers. It was easy to assume that the market was going to evolve in that direction, litigation or no litigation. So if you've yet to actually formalize the manner in which you do business uh, and you're feeling fear of that, unfortunately or fortunately, I believe that is something you should be fearful of. You definitely need to be formalizing the way you should do business. You should do it urgently because what's going to happen? Let's say three months from now, boom, the laws are changed. The rules are changed. There's no longer an automatic you know, buyer agent commission. And now buyers, uh, buyer agents now have to actually rational or ex explain to the buyer why they're paying their commissions. And I'm going to go back and finish the point I was making about Zillow okay. Flex agents. All right. So if you're a Zillow Flex broker or team and you're buying these leads from Zillow, let's say it's at 40% and there's some sort of broker split, even if it's not much, and then you're having to pay all the other associated fees. Now that's a lot. And the buyer agent themselves is only going to be making on average, what, about 20%, 15 to 20% after all the fees. Now what, if, that's based on a commission of what, two and a half or 3%. Mm -hmm. What if all of a sudden the commissions now are half that? in your market because you've not yet learned how to negotiate on, be, on your behalf as a buyer's agent. What happens if you're accepting Zillow Flex leads uh, for a 40% referral fee and your average commission goes from 10000 on the buyer side now to 6000 or 5000 Before paying your broker. Before paying even your buyer agent. And I'm yeah. talking to brokers and I'm talking to buy, uh, teams right now. What's going to happen to your buyer agent team? Your buyer agent team needs to urgently learn how to actually do this so that you then can, uh, you know, frankly, keep your business viable. Now, I believe what Zillow is going to do is Zillow is actually going to increase their referral fees, but they're going to get that buyer agency contract, exclusive buyer agency contract signed on your behalf. But still, your margins are still going to get vastly depleted. So you're going to have to be weary of what actually is going to happen, whether the uh, uh, you know whether the appeal is won by NAR or not into the future. It doesn't matter. The marketplace has changed. That's right. And I have read several articles, uh, people talking about the possibility of Zillow doing the pre-qualification. So now they're going to have the lead generation, the pre-qualification and the signature, which the analogy has been made that that turns the agent into an Uber driver and you're just opening doors, which means you're making virtually nothing. But let's be from Zillow's perspective. If they're generating the lead, mm -hmm. if they're pre-qualifying the lead, sure. if they're, <laughs> if they're uh, you know, essentially uh, uh, cultivating that lead, if they're mm -hmm. essentially getting that lead to the point where they're actually ready to transact and they're getting an exclusive buyer agency contract signed, yeah. they're, they frankly deserve- They have done your job. They have done your job. And all you're doing is the job of the Uber driver. So why don't you instead learn to do what Zillow is doing and then you can actually make a heck of a lot more money because they're doing all that and they're still making hundreds of millions of dollars every quarter. You read their quarterly filings. Yeah. So point number three, speaking of the buyer presentation, have that buyer presentation as early as possible in the relationship and practice maximum transparency regarding both their choices and your terms. Ask if they understand and what questions they still have before closing for their signature on your state agency form in the exclusive buyer agency agreement. Practice your presentation with a role play partner, a friend, or a past client until you're 100% confident and comfortable. If you try and do it when you sound all nervous and you're not sure what to say and you're not using any scripts and you try and close and it doesn't work, what's going to happen? What do most agents do? They just give up. So on our buyer agent presentation, the way it is, is, and we actually used to have seven buyer's agents that would work for us and they would role play in our old conference room. And what they would do, and this is, you guys do the same thing. It was actually just a stand up like a, uh, 
you know, what would you call it? I mean, like a, a stand up presentation, a tribal. flip presentation yeah. thing is they would put their talking points on little cards, you know, on the back of the presentation. So the, the buyer was looking at the front of it where the, you know, the pretty visual was, but then when you flipped it, you could actually see what the notes were, what they're supposed to say. Your script essentially. The, the script in bullet points. So just, we have already done all the work for you. Don't try to do it yourself. You know, there it is. Oh, by the way, our notes from today are down below and you can then use these notes for yourself for coaching and training uh, your own office, your own brokerage, your own team, and maybe use some of these points for social as well. And you also will find the link to join Premier Coaching. It is absolutely the next natural step, the imperative step for all of you, especially given what's happening right now in the real estate market. All right. Step number four, when presenting to your seller prospects, be very clear in discussing how offers of compensation are made from a listing broker to a buyer's broker. Be clear about terms and amounts and always present a seller's net sheet. Buyer's net sheet. We're talking about sellers. Oh, seller okay. Prospects. Sorry. In a listing presentation where you're talking about sharing commissions, you're going to talk about how that works and then show them in a seller's net sheet. Well, it is important though. We do, you do also when presenting to buyers, when you're getting them to sign the exclusive buyer agency contract in the agency forum, you're also getting them to sign a buyer's net sheet where you're disclosing all the actual fees, just as if you are presenting to a seller. Yes. Which leads us good segue to point number five, know how to present several different scenarios to your buyer clients regarding how you'll actually be compensated through offers of compensation, like we just talked about from the listing standpoint, via the listing broker of the home they wish to purchase, ask, or asking for seller's concessions if the offer of compensation isn't present on that listing, a combination of both, or simply paying out of pocket if you're not otherwise covered. That's where most agents are going to you know, freak. When you've presented your value clearly, you shouldn't be freaking out because your client, your prospect, will be happy to sign your agreement. If you present poorly or not at all, then they won't. So that's all in the category of best practices immediately starting today. We're going to move on to a little section called when and how you should discuss, and I would even say if you should discuss at all, the lawsuits and verdicts with your prospects and clients. Now, I didn't originally have this part of my notes, but I have had some coaching clients tell me that some of their current clients are reading the news, they're asking about this, and they wanted to know how to handle it. Before you do, so one of the reasons I think that your last point before we move forward, yep. your point number five, is buyers, agents, and brokers and teams are all going to be nervous that their competition isn't going to be required the buyers to sign agency forms and they're going to lose buyers as a result. Well, I, that might be very well the case in the beginning stages, like over the next few months, guys. Frankly, there are going to be a lot of small and medium-sized brokers that are not paying attention to what's going on, that are not listening to this podcast. It does not matter. You've got to do the right, smart thing, and you have to prepare for the market that's coming and the rules and whatnot that are actually going to be changing. So if you do, unfortunately, lose some buyers because Bob, the agent down the street, doesn't require an exclusive buyer's agency contract, you need to just let Bob go because you need to protect yourselves. Better than getting sued over Bob, right? Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. Well put. All right. So talking points. Before we get to that note to self, don't bring up the lawsuits as a talking point with prospects, clients, or customers unless they ask you to. Don't create an objection where there isn't one. It's a fluid situation that we're going to keep you updated on. Again, Tim has shared his private mobile number for you to text him if you have questions about this. 512-758-0206. That is for those of you who are, you know, frankly, teams, brokers, small or large, they want to talk about the next natural step. So that frankly, you can mitigate a lot of the potential downside risk of what 
you know, frankly, all of what's going on right now. Yes, get off of the panic button and onto the text button for you, Tim. You got to be work. You got to be operating as if it's six months or twelve months or eighteen months yes. or thirty-six months in the future. If you're, again, this is me coming off of dozens of calls with people. It feels like at this point, and they're all emotionally like they're spinning in a blender at like high speed, right? Yeah. You've got to stop and you've got to separate the fact from the fiction and realize what a lot of you are doing is you're just, you know, what's called doom scrolling, but you're doom scrolling looking for the latest salacious headline. What's the benefit of you knowing about that? The legal system is going to work like the legal system is going to work. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with way, the work you should be doing right now and what you should be preparing yourself for the future. So especially if you're an uh, individual agent, boots on the ground, small team or small brokerage, do not allow yourself to be pulled into this. Now, if you are pulled into some of this, here are the talking points that Julie's prepared for you. Okay, so if and when you get questions, try to keep your conversations short and factual. Here are some talking points. Point number one. The National Association of Realtors, NAR, has stated that they believe the jury in the Sitzer Burnett case reached an outcome that is, quote, neither supported by the law nor the facts presented in the case. NAR, as we've said at the top of this podcast and probably through other podcasts, they do plan to appeal. And the appeal process should take months to get resolution. Currently, nothing has changed. Now, you could end your conversation there and move on. But if you need more, point number two. The trial was concerning a rule which is already quite consumer friendly. Remember, it was portrayed by the plaintiffs to be some, you know, collusion that, you know, we're, we're punishing sellers, but that's not actually the case. The rule that they were referring to applies to local MLSs where listing brokers offer compensation to buyer brokers who have introduced a buyer client who wishes to purchase that listed home. Those offers have always been and are currently negotiable between the listing broker and the seller of the home. They can be a flat fee, a percentage of the sale price, a sliding scale based on the purchase price, or as little as zero or $1, depending on the MLS. So in other words- Negotiable. The, the negotiable. So the, the thing where it is an interesting little carve out that the plaintiff's attorneys found to pick on because it, for the most part, essentially, when you look at most MLSs across the country, the co-ops were always the same mm -hmm. for a long time, except when the market changed and it became a very hot seller's market. Mm -hmm. We've seen agents that will co-op, you know, they'll get a, say, a four or 5% commission and they'll co-op a point and a half. That's right. So, so it's not, it's very difficult to, I think, in I, when uh, NARA gets actual, I think, high level representation, mm -hmm. there'll be lots of examples where essentially it's buyer lots agent commission is exactly where buyer agent commission is not a set, you know, fee that was set by a cabal of, you know, brokers in a smoke filled room with the doors closed. I mean, right. the buyer agent commission, the way the structure works with the commission structure has been in place for over a hundred years. And the you would call that market tested, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, exactly. And so you can argue that maybe the sellers were not informed that the buyer agent commission wasn't negotiable, and that's what the plaintiffs' attorneys effectively did. But I think through more litigation, we'll discover that that wasn't necessarily the case. I think so too, because there's so many examples. All right. And, and just yes. for the record, we've never coached you guys ever to say the buyer's agent commission is three percent always, because in our whole commission structure, which is part of our flexible fee thing. It isn't. We have always said forever that you have to make it so that the seller understands and then the commissions are negotiable. And, you know, the fact is, is that if you are able to show them the ramifications of offering a lower commission versus a higher commission, they then can make their own informed decisions. And that's what we coach you guys to do. That's called skill. All right. Number three, remind the person you're speaking to that agents and brokers are paid $0 until a closing occurs and that closing is based on the written agreement between the buyer and the seller. Many people still believe that your broker pays you some sort of salary or base pay. That was actually a point that uh, NAR sent out last week. 
uh, reminding people there's that agents make nothing well, until a closing happened and the closing was based on a negotiated contract. Or, you know, if you're Redfin, they get paid a salary. Right. Well, like, and if you're Redfin and you're listening, then, you know, change as necessary. Okay. Now, number four, the way commissions are paid has created an efficient, market-tested, transparent sales environment where sellers often receive more showings and more offers. This is to your previous point, show them the difference and sell their homes in less time at a higher price than had they not offered buyer broker compensation. Think of some examples of your recent transactions, which demonstrate this fact. And if you have some specific testimonials, especially for your most recent closings, you can certainly use that in conversation. Let's use an example just to kind of reframe this for some people that are just sort of working through this emotionally. So Julie and I recently sold a car and we uh, we could have put it up for auction. We could have you know put it on Bring a Trailer or one of these other auction places ourselves, but we didn't. So we found somebody who also specializes in those types of cars. And I asked him to actually, then he takes it to auction for us. So he's, and we've sold other cars this way too. Um, I just don't have the stomach, frankly, dealing with it myself. It's too nerve wracking, <laughs> sure. but I do have, I will use a, some kind of representative, essentially a listening agent, a broker, a broker. Right. And so that's what he did. And so the, the auction price, the auction ended and the final price was less than what the reserve was. And the reserve was essentially a number that we'd all agreed to the car was worth. And if it doesn't sell for that amount of money, then uh, it's not going to be sold. Well, the buyer still wanted to buy it, even though he wasn't willing to pay what we wanted as far as the reserve. So what ended up happening was the listing agent or the representative that was representing us, he, he, I said, this is what I want my net to be. And I told him I want it to be a dollar. Okay. That's what my net would have been had it sold for the higher price with his full commission. He was charging me uh, 7 or 8%. So at 7 or 8%, my dollar, it wasn't a dollar, but I'm just using numbers, right? So he it basically would have uh, previously, had it sold for the reserve, it would have covered his selling fees, it would have covered the transaction fees, and I would have netted my dollar. Essentially, and, your own net sheet is the math you were doing in your head. Right. And so what I told him was I said, is if he can net me a dollar, I don't care about the rest of the math because if he can get me what I what I would have gotten had it sold for the reserve price, what it sold for the list price, let's say, if my net's the same, what do I care with all the transaction costs and all the commissions and all the other crap? And so he ended up making like eight grand on the sale, 8,500 or something. Uh, and he was fine with it. He said, okay, fine. I'll just rather, you know, I'll let it go. I'll sell it to this buyer. I'll make my $8,500 and we'll do business again, to which I said, fine. So that's a, that's an example of basically how commissions actually work in real estate as well. And all of you guys have been in those situations before. And if you haven't, you're going to be. I mean, that's the nature of how the market's going to work. So what you're going to do when you're presenting to a seller is the seller is going to say, as long as I net this, I don't care what this is. And as long as what the seller is expecting, then you're going to be able to accomplish the seller's goals. And if the seller ends up having to pay, um, you know, a termite inspection and a radon inspection, if they still do that or end up, you know, whatever, even a buyer's agent's commission, the seller won't care as long as the seller's net is what the seller wants as far as their net, assuming it's a reasonable expectation, which goes back to skill. And what you just did, your version talking about a car sale was essentially 80% of a listing conversation about commission. When I mean, it was very similar to the script. When you're showing them three net sheets, you're right. That's where I learned it. When you're showing them three net sheets, you show them a, a seller. You show them a, like, this is like your worst case scenario, Mr. Seller. Like, you know, let's say the house is $400,000. And if the house were only sell for three seventy-five, dollars this is what your net is. 
And if this was the you know reasonable, the middle one's going to be reasonable. If it sells for 400, this is what your net's going to be. And if we get like you know all the stars aligned and we sell for 425, this is what your net's going to be. Maybe we get a bidding war or something. Exactly. These are your so these are your three scenarios, Mr. Seller. So your worst case scenario, pointing to the first one where you're showing them the net, that's your worst case scenario. If, we, if I if that's the best we could do, would that be acceptable? And the seller's going to say probably yes, or give or take a little bit. That's your floor. Now you know what everything on top of that is where you can cover commissions, transaction fees, uh, you know, things that need repaired, running the raccoons out of the attic. That was basically their reserve. Exactly. What price won't you go below? But so this is the way the business has always worked. And and if you don't have the skill set, learn the skill set right away because the idea that you're going to be able to get a real estate license or if you have a buyer's agents team and they're going to be able to float in and out of working with buyers without having a higher skill set, those days are effectively over regardless of the results of the appeal. So in the interim, in the next two or three years, however long the appeal process takes, you're going to have to learn how to be more professional in how you approach this industry from both the listing side and the buyer side. But here's the good news for you. We have always coached agents to operate like this. This has always been the whole process that we've always used. The industry has finally caught up. Boy, this sounds arrogant, but it's true. I know, I know. The industry has finally caught up to what Julie and I have been preaching from the highest uh, highest mountaintops. Yes, for decades. Quite literally. I mean, do you remember um, in the 90s when ABR came out and everybody freaked out and, oh my gosh, well, I'm pretty sure that that's when we started doing the formal buyer presentation, then we polished it and polished it through the 2000s. And I mean, this is not, and and I have to say, I'm super proud of our coaches, of our coaching clients. I've had a lot of coaching calls with my own elite coaching clients, and they are in no way freaking out. You know what their reaction is? Because as as a coach, we have to say, you know, I'm sure you know about the commission lawsuits. You know, where are you at on that? And you know what? They're, They're all like, totally fine. I've been doing this forever. I do what you say in coaching. I get the signature. I do the presentation. If they won't sign it, then I don't really want to work with them anyway. Let's talk about something else. Right. Which is the right answer, assuming exactly. that you're you're skilled. And that brings me to our last point today, number five, communication and transparency is key. There will inevitably be some changes in how things are done. We talked about that today regarding agent and broker commission. Right now, as long as you follow what we talked about on this podcast, then you should continue to thrive representing both buyers and sellers in the most professional, caring, and competent way possible. If and when commission practices noticeably change, anything legal especially, again, we're not attorneys, but we'll tell you what's going on. We're going to keep you updated. And of course, we will actively update our presentations and scripts through Premier Coaching as we always have. But fortunately, right now, they are 100% updated and best practices. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we really don't have to change anything. We I have want- had that question from coaching clients, though. If something hits the fan, are you going to just you know tell me what to do? Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. of course. But listen, ultimately, we don't want to be your gurus. That's not what Julie yeah. and I's life mission is. We want to get you to the point where you can be your own guru, where you have enough natural talent and skill. Well, scratch the word natural, where you've earned the right to essentially be your own guru and, and essentially lead other people. That's what we're hoping to do. We're Our mission, really, if you want to really know what's driving us, is we are doing our best to um, bring up the next generation of real estate leaders, be it coaches and trainers or be it people in our EXP royalty group or be it you know, just individual practitioners, the next generation is going to have to learn things at a different, like in the past market guys, everybody was spoiled. 
Look how many companies there were in the industry that were selling stuff to agents that now agents have wised up they didn't really need in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Look to how many of you guys have, uh, were buying buyer leads, not really giving a hoot about what the net was because you just figured you were making enough money, not paying attention to the fact that the average buyer agent commission has been going down steadily for the last five or six years in most markets and not realizing that as a result, you weren't making any profit. All of that stuff is washing out. All of the bad ideas, all the good ideas that turned into bad ideas over the last 15 to 17 years are all washing out of the market now because of the changes in the market. And this litigation, what it is, it's a change accelerator. That's what's going to happen. So all these changes were taking place anyway in a lot of big regions of the country, but this is going to cause everything to happen really, really fast, which for some of you that are ill prepared, it's going to be shocking. So you know what you're supposed to do right now. Take it seriously. Do your own homework on this. Uh, don't you know? go to a million different places for a million different opinions because you'll just get two million different opinions and you'll end up right where you started with no real actions to take. Do the smart thing. Do the hard things first, which is going to learn how to actually compete at the highest level in this new market. We strongly encourage you, obviously, to join Premier Coaching, and we've made it easy for you. You can join Premier Coaching for free. The link is down below. In the meantime, brokers, teams, anybody that's looking for the next natural step a progression from your current quagmire, I am encouraging you to text me directly at 512-758-0206 and we will have a confidential conversation. Be ready to share with me numbers so that I can actually do some real math for you. Uh, so do text me directly at 512-758-0206. Have a fantastic day and we'll talk with, uh, with you tomorrow. A whole new subject, <laughs> something fun, your five-year plan. Way more fun. Way more fun. All right, so we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.